Hello, listeners. This is John from the Bamboo Passers podcast. We had some audio issues when we were recording this week, but Jalen and I felt that the content was too good for us to cut this out. So please excuse the sound quality in this episode, and thanks for tuning in each week. This episode of the Bamboo Pastors podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, welcome back to the podcast. You've got Jalen, you've got John. We're your co-hosts for the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. John, good to see you. How you doing? Hey, Jalen. Uh, it's good to see you, too. And uh, I'm doing pretty well. I've had a, definitely an interesting day uh, and an interesting week. You know, um, some of the highlights for me would be we did a slightly delayed Chinese New Year um, celebration at church with our staff. So we had a huge staff luncheon, did the whole roast pig and all the food, and it was fantastic and delicious. Um, you know, if I'm being honest on this podcast, very little work was done after that lunch the rest of that day, or at least that afternoon. Um, and then today, um, you know, something that I really enjoyed is my church has been doing, participating in this 40 days of prayer. And basically it's something that our denomination family has put out, um, devotional material that kind of has different prayer points and different scripture readings, um, to kind of have the whole denominational family, um, participate together in the same reading and praying plan um, for the beginning of the year to start off the year. And so this afternoon, as kind of a capstone or an end to that uh, whole prayer initiative, there was a um, like a live, I guess they called it a webinar, but basically it was like a live time of prayer and worship that was hosted by one church in Kentucky, but basically people from churches all over the country from the Alliance joined for that and uh, it was just a really sweet time of fellowship sweet time of prayer and worship and um yeah it's just funny like how you know um i just think about how technology has helped uh, us do ministry and been a blessing and yes there are probably a lot of places where technology has been uh, a curse but also we get good things like this podcast or the ability to to do worship and prayer with people uh, and friends, colleagues from around the country, which we maybe weren't able to do that in the past. So that was definitely something, a, a fun thing that I got to do today. So how about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, you know, uh, busy week, just, uh, you know, in the grind of things. And, um, you know, you know, as you're sharing about just prayer and fellowship with other believers, you know, that's obviously so good for us, right, as pastors to, to take time to be ministered to, to feel fed and, and just refreshed among other believers. Cause I think a lot of times it's just kind of like, at least for me, I kind of get in the mode of like, okay, I've got to be the one that's kind of um, organizing things or pushing things forward. And um, having that time to fellowship with other believers is so important. And actually I was going to, I was going to share about, you know, just um, you know, the, the prayer times that I have with our Mandarin pastor, 
you know, for us as a smaller church, uh, we just have the English congregation and the Mandarin congregation. It's just two of us on staff. And so, you know, we work, uh, we work fairly closely together. We work um, in the same office space and uh, we spend, you know, one, one day a week uh, where we, we would pray together. And uh, that was this morning for us. And, you know, I'm just, I was, I was just encouraged being able to have that time to, to pray with our Mandarin pastor. And, you know, sometimes when, when, when there are conflicts that come up or maybe a difference of opinion or just a difference in philosophy of ministry, having that time of prayer is so helpful to kind of bridge those, you know, gaps where there's, where there is a little bit of a difference or where there can be conflict that, that, um, causes division. And so, uh, I'm grateful for him and I'm grateful for that time of prayer. So yeah, glad that you had that. And, um, glad that, uh, that we can fellowship here in, in our mm -hmm. podcast. So, yeah. 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 And before our listeners get the wrong idea that, you know, we are super spiritual. I think both of us also spent significant time today following the NBA trade deadline. So a little oh, boring absolutely. for us, uh, for the bulls, but fun nonetheless to see, how the landscape of the league has changed, but that's another podcast, not the bamboo pastors podcast. That's right. We've teased, we've teased enough <laughs> the whole, like we would, we would start a bath of like a basketball, like an NBA or a Chicago bulls podcast, but yes. uh, maybe that's coming down the pike some, some other time, mm -hmm. but regardless, I'm excited about our guest uh, today. Uh, his name is Mike Jin. He is the English pastor at twin city, Chinese Christian church in Roseville, Minnesota, which is, I think, right between St. Paul and Minneapolis. And so, uh, Mike, we're glad that you've joined us today. Thanks for being on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Thanks for having me. Privilege. Hey, Mike, it's good to have you on. Uh, you know, we always like to start off our podcast, especially with first-time guests, um, just hearing a little bit about your ministry journey, your calling into ministry. So could you just share, uh, you know, a brief summary or yeah, a brief bit of that journey with us? Sure, I'd be happy to. I was born and raised in Chicago, so I, I hear some of those Chicago Bulls, um, some of those roots um, uh, a few years earlier than you, but uh, that's okay. Um, yeah, I was thankful to grow up at uh, Chinese Christian Union Church, where in third grade, I heard a Sunday school story about Muscle Mike, and that's when I first gave my life to Jesus. And there at CCUC, uh, I had the privilege to have John, your father, Josiah. Uh, and, and many others invest in me. So I just really, really grateful for that privilege and that honor. Um, so I went to, went to college, went, got involved in university. Um, and then at graduation, I told God, I'm, I'm ready and open to, to serve you in a full-time capacity if that's what you want. But I just didn't feel like that was the right time. So I went to grad school and, and served as a lay leader. And then at, again, at graduation, I said, God, I'm open. Um, is do you want me to serve you in this way? And did not feel like that was the right time. So began working as an environmental engineer, continued to serve as a lay leader in uh, the Chinese church. Um, but as I worked as an engineer, just started to get increasingly dissatisfied with my career. Um, about that time, coincidentally, providentially, more likely, heard a retreat speaker talk about living a life of eternal significance. And that phrase, living a life of eternal significance, just hit me like a two by four. So I uh, began to pray with my wife about what does it mean for me to live with eternal significance and um, realize that for me, it meant more than sitting in front of a screen, crunching numbers all day. I know that 
can be very significant for many people. But for me, I just felt like there was more that I needed to do. And so I uh, felt like it was time to begin to explore the full-time ministry pathway. So the church where I had significant lay leader responsibilities, they graciously created a ministry position for me to try it out. I'm like so grateful for that. After about a year of that and just feeling affirmed in that direction, realized I needed this more formal ministry training. And so entered the MDiv program at Trinity Divinity School in Illinois, uh, graduated there in 2001, got called to T4C um, and have had this privilege to serve here at T4C now for 20 years. So it's been quite a journey, quite a privilege, blessed for sure. Yeah, I always love hearing the stories about, you know, how, how God has called people into ministry and for you having that willingness to serve and willingness to go into full-time ministry, even from a young age or even right out of, you know, high school or college is, is pretty awesome. And having the discernment to maybe not jump into it right away, but, uh, but still having the willingness to serve as a lay leader um, is, is, is awesome. You know, I think that's, those are the, those are, those are people that I think we as pastors really appreciate, right? Are people who, even from a young age, are willing to serve God in whatever capacity, whether it is full time or whether it is as a lay leader. Can I add a Can I add a caveat to my story? The story of my life really is reluctant leadership. I never want to be a leader, um, but I've always been either asked and invited um, to do so at CCAC and beyond, or I have been pushed into those positions, and it's just feels like okay. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to learn something here. So, so it wasn't, there wasn't always a willingness to, to, to step into service roles, but more of a, well, I feel like God has entrusted me some abilities and, and so I just need to steward those well. You know, as you said, you've been at T4C for uh, 20 years now, which is an amazing thing in itself. You know, for you being at that same church over uh, two decades. I'm sure you've been through a lot of different leadership issues. Um, as you said, even though you've been a, uh, maybe sometimes a reluctant leader, you've been in those positions of leadership. Uh, could you share with us kind of the leadership structure at T4C and um, particularly like eldership? What does the plurality of eldership look like for uh, for you guys as the Chinese Heritage Church at T4C? Okay, this is a little bit complicated, but so we have three congregations, so three language congregations, a Mandarin, a Cantonese, and an English. And um, so our leadership structure really is one of equal. Um, we have our, we have lay elders and we have um, full-time ministry staff, pastoral staff. Uh, so the pastor elder council is what we call ourselves, the together, the pastors and the elders, we have oversight over spiritual matters and over the direction of the church. We do have uh, elected deacons who are responsible for the administrative matters, but the uh, pastor elder council, PEC, as we call them, um, for, currently we have four pastoral staff, four, four elders, and pastors are responsible for particular ministry. Ministries, elders are responsible for the whole church, but generally focus and give emphasis more to one congregation just because of familiarity and relationship. Um, again, no senior pastor, no senior elder, all of us pastoral staff and elders, we are, we feel like we have equal authority, even if we don't always see ourselves that way. Um, but among the pastoral staff, I have a kind of a dual role. I, 
have uh, responsibilities for the English ministry, but also have some coordinating pastor responsibility. So at times I take on a role of first among equals, I guess maybe you can call it, by setting meeting agendas, organizing certain church-wide activities and ministries and representing the staff at kind of church-wide things. Um, so I, that's how the, the pastoral staff were kind of organized. Elders, um, they rotate seasonally who is their chair at that time. And then annually, we as PEC, we elect a chair to, to lead. And so both pastors and elders can, can serve as PEC chair. Uh, so really, all the pastors and all the elders have shared in equal authority for the whole church. We tend to give a little bit more emphasis to one congregation than the other. But um, and this is really this is really a uh, key for us. I think we make decisions predominantly by consensus and unanimity. So if anyone on our PEC is hesitant about anything, we wait and we keep praying and we keep discussing and. Honestly, it's a long process to make decisions, often frustrating, but I do think that it has led to many wiser decisions for us. I think it's kept us from making some mistakes that maybe I would have wanted, or I would have led us down that path or others would have led us down the path. And um, and, it, and and so I think one of the things that that allows us, one of the beauties of that picture is that, or that model is that even with all the, all the frustrations that come from our decision-making process, it leads to great unity. Whenever we are able to get to a decision, we are unified among leadership. And so then that is able to be passed along to the, to the rest of the church. So there is, I mean, yeah, so there really is, um, I would say a, a good amount of unity uh, among our leadership and among our church. You know, Mike, I have uh, two follow-up questions just based off of what you were saying just now. So one of them is probably a little bit quicker to answer. And then the other one, you can take some more time. But my first question was, you said that, you know, in your role as the English pastor, you also have taken on some responsibilities as a coordinating pastor. I'm guessing it's almost like a, like an executive pastor role where you make sure everything just lines up well, is that something that you also were reluctantly um, encouraged to do, or like, how did you find yourself in that role? Is it because of longevity? Yeah, that's it's it's definitely reluctance. Um, also, I think at the time, so I've been in this that capacity now for I don't know. 10 years. I don't know. I don't even know how many years. But there was another one formerly. Um, well, prior to that, sorry, prior to that, we just rotated that coordinating role. Um, and it just turned out to be some of us were better at doing that than others. And so just for the sake of efficiency or the sake of just being able to progress, we, another one of our pastors served in that capacity, then he, um, moved on. And then, so I kind of stepped into that role, but yeah, yeah. Reluctantly, reluctantly. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a lot more uh, administrative responsibilities, but I, yeah, I mean, it's God's calls and you got to do what you got to do, right. You got to yeah, follow him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and then my second question that I had um, just as a follow-up is, you know, as you were sharing about um, this, 
uh, on your board really seeking to make decisions by consensus and by uh, and being united in your decision making, which not every church operates that way. Sometimes it's like majority rules, you know, um, and and so I'm I guess I'm curious how was that something that you guys have always done, something that you felt like you stepped into when you joined that team? Um, or is it something that you, a culture you had to develop over time? And if, and if it was, you know, what were some ways that you felt like you did that? So when I first came on and staff, there was only two lay elders and there were three, there were three ministry staff. So it was a much smaller. So, but yes, at that time, we always were by you consensus and then as we've added by god's grace we've been able to add a few more ministry staff i'm sorry that we had four ministry staff and i can't but it doesn't matter and we were still smaller and it was easier to make decisions it was kind of that i mean we're our we're a chinese heritage church we're a family church we run by family ministry model um that has served us really well in many ways and it's really it's in some ways, honestly, it's hindered us. I think it just makes decision-making really, really long because everybody has, we want to make sure everybody has their voice heard, which is hard, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, maybe maybe if you could, could you speak to maybe how you've seen elders, uh, particularly like the lay elders, you know, um, how they've worked well when there's been a, a maybe a, a difference of opinion. As you said, it does take, longer time and so if you do if you do hit an impasse how have you seen some of those those differences worked out really it's it's continuing to pray and listen to each other i mean we're like our our elders are they're amazing men of god and we're so grateful for them and for the wisdom that they bring we do have multiple elders each elder does see themselves as an elder of the whole church not as a particular congregation or a particular ministry and so really it's been the the mindset has been what's good for one congregation is good for the whole church and we're we're thrilled that that happened so in terms of impasse it's it's usually not on ministry strategies or direction um, it tends to be more on matters of emphasis and so in that sense, there's often this really this sense of, well, what we'll, we'll defer to you if, if you have a little bit more at, in, at stake in this particular matter, we'll, we'll look to you to lead. I was wondering if you had maybe an example of a situation where you saw that play out that you could share with us. I think probably the most recent one would be just the the response that we as a church should take to the all the george floyd um well catalyzed primarily by george floyd uh his murder and just because it's in our city and the whole uproar and uh, all the riots that happen and uh how do we how do we respond to that as as christians and as a chinese church how do we respond to that and i think on the english side we wanted to be a little bit more active a little bit more presence we wanted to 
preach on it a little bit more. We wanted to study the, the scriptures on, on it a little bit more than the other, other congregations. So we did. And in the English congregation, the, the teens attend the English congregation and many of their parents are from the other congregations. And so we're starting to then hear some, just some questions about whether this was the right emphasis. Um, and whether, not necessarily whether they're appropriate or not, but whether it was the right emphasis. And so, again, we, we talked about it at the leadership level, and we ended up putting together, wanting to just have a unified statement on, on these things. Tim probably talked a lot about that statement. Tim Haas, our youth pastor, when you had him on earlier, um, that took a long time to craft that statement. I, and because and, we, we, we had to talk a lot about a lot of the words, the specific words, and whether it was going to be appropriate for the whole church. And also we wanted to make our statement general enough that it wasn't just a re response to George Floyd, because at that time there was all the Hong Kong protests going on. So that affected our Cantonese congregation. And there's always something going on with mainland China. So in Taiwan. So there's always all these tensions. And so we wanted to make sure that our, our statement was sufficiently universal that it wasn't, this is not just a response to George Floyd. It's, this is just our response to oppression and how do we treat people and how do we see people in God's eyes? So I'm not, is, is that getting, is that getting to where you're asking that was a great a, a great little example and and i'm just thinking back to you know when we had tim on and hearing him share about it and and i think hearing you emphasize some of um the behind the scenes work you know like i think when tim came on we talked a little bit about you guys having to go through a long process but um just hearing about how that went to the table in, in a sense like with your uh with your elders and your pastors working together for that i think that really is a picture to me of of um yeah, how the church can work well together. Um, and I know that I know that that takes time because there have been times, you know, in in leading, um, whether it was, you know, when I was serving on a board at uh, the church in Wheaton or even like with ministry teams or leadership teams now that, that you kind of have this tension between wanting to make sure that everyone not just has consensus, but has the buy in for something um, versus, you know, the speed of like efficient decision-making, you know? And sometimes I feel like personally as a leader, I'm trying to balance those two. Um, but I think I really appreciate hearing about where where that, the the unity side of that decision-making process is really highly emphasized. Um, and I think it it could serve a lot of pastors well to, to kind of think through what that looks like. So thank you for sharing that example. Certainly. Yeah, you know, one of the questions that I wanted to, to kind of hear more about was just, you know, when there, when there have been those issues where maybe you aren't yet fully in agreement as pastors and elders, are there, are there like side meetings that happen? Um, if there's, you know, for example, one elder um, who's, who's maybe not willing to go along with a particular decision, um, are there other elders or pastors that kind of pull them aside and like, how does that work out yet? I mean, or does it, or does it kind of get all worked out together as a team? No, I think there's always going to be conversations that are happening. And to, because I think the more conversations that happen, the more you're able to understand 
especially what are, what are the hesitations? What are your concerns? What am I not understanding about your, why you, why you have, are thinking the way you're thinking? Um, because we, my perspective is, is limited and your perspective is limited. So let me hear your perspectives to help me and to shape my perspective. And maybe that, maybe my, maybe I'm wrong and I need to, I need to change. Maybe, maybe you're wrong and I, you can, I can help you. Right. So there's that, there's that give and take it often, there is a lot of altogether discussions, which, which is one reason why the whole decision-making processes take so long, but I think it, it's good and uh, it's frustrating, but it's good. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that I'm, I'm hearing as you're sharing about sort of the process that you guys go through is, uh, is humility. And, and, I, and I love that about, I love seeing that in church leaders and in elders, um, because that inevitably has a profound effect on the congregation and, you know, the willingness to listen and to learn and even, and even just the way that you framed it, that I might be wrong and I can, I can grow in this area or you might be wrong and I, and I can help you, you know, not necessarily that I'm going to tell you that you're wrong and, and I'm going to tell you that this is how you should think, but there is a process like you're saying of being willing to listen to one another and learn from one another. And I think that is, that's such a healthy approach to leadership and to making decisions uh, for the church. And I, I don't, I don't know that that happens a lot or enough um, in Chinese heritage churches. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to kind of commend you guys on that and, and, and highlight that because that's so important is to have that, that willingness to listen and learn and be humble. Yeah. Thanks. You know, um, I was wondering, do you have any, uh, yeah, any practical suggestions of ways that you've cultivated that sort of relationship or environment where conversations like that can take place in a healthy way? It's not that I think you're the only church that does that, but I don't know if that's always the norm in every Chinese church that I've heard of, um, you know, or just have heard from other friends that have served in other places. Um, and so I'm just, I'm curious, what are some of the ways that you've, you've helped to encourage that? I think probably the primary way is to go to a church that has that culture in place already. <laughs> that's, that's how I got to benefit from this. There was some... Um, just some very wise and humble leaders who went, who came before me, who really set the pace in a lot of things. So I am really just the, the beneficiary of a lot of prayer and wisdom. Um, I think uh, humility is, is, is key. There's, there was really the sense of humility from first generation Chinese leadership that was, they never, see they don't see the english congregation as a second as a second class or the kids ministry we it, there's there's not that mindset i've seen that in some other churches um, but that has not been the case certainly not since i've been here um and so that yeah like i said i'm just the beneficiary of of a lot of hard work ahead of time no i think i think you're right i think that certainly as, as you're saying the the, the, the process of like learning to trust one another, um, you know, as, as you got to step into some of the, uh, the, the benefit of that culture that it was already established, uh, you were able to 
trust what had been done before you and, you know, continue, continue going in that same, in that Mm -hmm. same sort of direction. And yeah, you know, I I think that's something that, that is so, that, that is probably lost on a lot of um, multi-congregational churches uh, like Chinese heritage churches where trust can be easily broken. And then it's just kind of every congregation for itself or, you know, every elder for himself. And, you know, to, to have sort of that, uh, that, that backbone of, of trusting one another and having had leaders who were willing to, like you said, like having a first generation um, leadership that was willing to have, have the other congregations at the table or have the second generation at the table to, to work with and work alongside is super healthy and super important. And that's, sorry, let me just jump in. I think one thing that is just part of our it's so much part of our culture. It's even explicitly stated in our vision. Our vision is to build up multiple interdependent congregations as one church to be the center of discipleship and outreach to the Chinese in the Twin City. So right there, the multiple interdependent congregations as one church, that, that sense of unity was is just foundational to who, who we are. You know, in, in your church, like because that's part of your vision, um, and as you've been describing kind of the relationship between the elders, you know, really you have elders who are interdependent, right? Serving together. And so what are ways that you've, you know, tried to help the whole church live in that way too, you know, like to have that interdependence and unity at the elder board trickle down into the congregation, or do you actually feel like it, it's the other way around that, you know, because you have a church that's already doing this, then it has in a sense trickled up into into your elder board because you're pulling leaders. That's probably a, a both and, but I do think that one of the one of the things that we have had to kind of retrain ourselves and 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 the people who are members is that we have to remind ourselves that unity is not just everybody worshiping together at one time. We actually only tried to do two um, all church worship services because it's just too hard and too cumbersome. But we try to think about unity as moving in the same direction together. And so if we're unified under under (laughs) our vision and under this desire to, to be the center of discipleship and outreach to the Chinese in the Twin Cities, then um, that helps us to be united, even when we don't know everybody, even when we're not sitting in the same room, worshiping at the same time in the same language. You know, as, as you said, the, even from the beginning, just having a both and, you know, that's, that's a healthy, that's a healthy exchange, right? Where the leadership is informing the congregation, the congregations are informing the leadership as well. And that having that, that, uh, that mutual sharpening, right, is, does foster greater unity so that it, it is so that kind of you know is, is is permeating the entire church culture and not just it's happening in the congregations but not necessarily happening in the in leadership or it's happening in the leadership and not necessarily in the congregations and so uh it's it's exciting to hear that that's something that's happening um at your church uh one of the, the, the one of the last questions i want to ask was just you know you've been at the church for 20 years now what happens if there is an elder uh, that, that, well, I don't know if this has happened in the past, but 
what would you do if this happened? Uh, an elder comes on that maybe doesn't have that same sort of vibe. Like they might not have the, the willingness to listen and learn so much, or uh, they maybe don't demonstrate as much humility as some of the previous elders, or does somebody like that not even get to that level of being an elder um, just because you can recognize that, um, you know, more readily. But if that were to happen or if that's happened in the past, like how does, how, do, how, how does that play out? Yeah, I think it would be quite a surprise if an elder actually didn't have that kind of mindset because our elder calling process is so it's quite thorough and, and lengthy. And um, we call elders from, from our membership who are long-term people. So they're already in, they're already part of that. Uh, I think that um, if that were to be the case, I think this is where, well, humility, speaking the truth in love, those kinds of conversations um, would need to happen. And, and I, but wow, it's just hard to even imagine it happening in our church because of the, at least among leadership, there's that such a that mindset of, well, what's good for one congregation is good for the good for the church. Now, I do want to say it's kind. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, how we change and grow in the coming years, because we're kind of at a we've kind of been at a transition period. We've got a lot of, at least in my my years, there's been a lot of the more the older wise elders and and leaders who are starting to retire or who have retired and now it's these well i was gonna say young guys like me but i'm actually not that young anymore but i mean this kind of this on uh, uh, the passing of the baton and so um it will be and, and the numbers are getting bigger so you know that family that sense of family is starting to be a lot more challenging to especially the those who are more senior than me who have been part of the church when they were smaller and you, you did know everybody and so you know there's that a little bit of that wow we've we should have more combined services because that's what we used to do and but that's not what i don't think that's what unity is all about but yet there still is so it's not like it's everything i've described is like universally um that's not the universal experience in it of, of our membership. So, uh, but I think that it will be interesting to see if this kind of spirit, this kind of positive momentum continues on and Lord willing it will, because I think it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we, we really are blessed. Yeah. You know, I was going to say earlier that when you were, when you were feeling like it was really hard to imagine having someone step onto your, your uh, council that didn't fit the mold that, or the culture that you guys have had. I actually think that's probably a sign of, of health that it's so difficult to imagine because it tells me that, that the culture that is in that board ref is reflected throughout the church. And that's a really good thing. And, you know, I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast at some point to hear about what are the ways that you guys are passing that down into a new generation of, mm -hmm. of elders and leaders. Like you said, you're curious to see how that plays out. But I'm sure that, you know, as an elder team, you will have a big hand in how that gets passed down. So we're looking forward to having you come back to, to share about that. 
Um, I, I think for our, a lot of our listeners, they may be wondering why um, we've kind of addressed this topic of um, eldership or, or lay leaders, you know, working with people that are not necessarily, um, you know, full-time pastoral staff. Uh, we, we've talked about this actually for a few episodes now. And, um, you know, I'm just reminded of how important it is to have these healthy relationships between all the people serving that, that though they may have different titles or different um, specific roles in the church, that uh, an elder pastor team or whatever you want to call it really is working together um, for the sake of, of the whole church, for, for the body to continue to do what we've been called to do as God's family. And, and that's why, you know, we, we've loved having you on the podcast, Mike, to kind of hear these stories about what a healthy version of that looks like uh, or, or, or a healthy way of doing that. Um, you know, as we wrap up the podcast, though, we love to always close with the same question. And we want to make sure that you don't feel like we force you to only talk about eldership and, and working with those leaders. So feel free to answer this in whatever uh, arena of ministry or, or kind of however you want. But what is just one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone that's currently serving in the Chinese Heritage Church? That's a, that's a great question. I think that I need to um, pass on some words of encouragement that I heard from one of my seminary professors, and that's really just hold ministry loosely. It's not your church, right? Colossians 1 says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And so my prof, one of the things he, he said is, how is it evident that Jesus is the head of your church? And is it evident and um, so he encouraged us to be careful how we talk or pray about the church. And so I consciously try to avoid saying my church, my ministry, my people, but rather the church that God entrusts to me, the people God gives me to serve. It's, it's, it's a small thing, but I think it's, a, it's, it's important because there's a mindset. This mindset helps provide perspective because especially through the normal ebbs and flows of ministries, um, I have to remind myself, and I tell others that God brings good people to us and God sends good people from us, but really it's, it's okay because it's not, they're not my people. Um, and thankfully God's work will continue on because it's his church and Jesus is the head. Yeah. Great word. Well, thanks Mike for joining us. We really appreciate your time and for uh, being with us here on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks Mike. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.